Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. What will 2024 bring? Will it be the recession that has been long called for? Will it be a Goldilocks economy? Or will we get the dreaded reflation? We're going to have this conversation with the one and only Taylor from Life Gold Investments. Man, how you doing? I'm doing great. What I'm not going to do here is look into my crystal ball and tell you exactly <laughs> what's going to play out because I am not smart enough to do that, nor do I think anybody is. But the, you know, when you think about things from an investment standpoint, the three portfolios you would build based on these three different economic scenarios are so vastly different that I feel for retail investors as they look at this upcoming 2024 market and go, where the heck do I invest right now? Um, so yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head so we can kind of knock off these three scenarios. I guess I'll start and say, Let's look at the one that seems to be playing out in the market right now. We're being priced in the market most massively right now. And that's okay. the Goldilocks type environment. Okay. So in Goldilocks, what you see is relatively strong economic growth or GDP and low inflation. And really, this is just a continuation of what we've had in 2023 for the most part. Now, you just saw the third quarter. We printed a massive, massive 5.2% GDP growth number, which nah. nobody... It could even come that was up not with on my bingo card. I didn't know. I don't think that was on anybody's bingo card. Um, and and you know simultaneously, so you have that strong economic growth on one side, and then simultaneously you have inflation, core inflation that's continued to move down throughout the past year. Well, let's try to put some numbers on this. So so Goldilocks, I'll put out some numbers and you tweak them. Yeah. So on a GDP print, Goldilocks would probably be like one and a half to 3% GDP growth. Does that feel right? Yeah. We'll start yeah. There. Right in line with historic norms, really. Yeah. Right, right in there. Right. You know, 2% plus or minus. And then what we're going to probably have to see is inflation coming down slowly to, and we're talking CPI headlines so we don't get people confused, low twos. Yep. Something like yeah. that. I mean, the, the Fed is vehemently saying we're going back to 2% inflation. Whatever happens to the underlying economy along the way is what happens. And obviously, they've done a masterful job thus far. But as they say, and as we know, there are lagged effects to interest rates. And when you yank interest rates higher in short order, like they have five and a quarter percent, you know, at some point we pay some reckoning potentially. But the market right now is pricing the fact that really we don't yeah. in any meaningful well, way. Uh, the last, the last one kind of on the Goldilocks is we probably have to keep unemployment below four and a half, four yep. or eight, think, something like that. Yeah, I think that I think it's a fair assessment. Call us at three and a half percent, somewhere in that part, you know, three and a half to four percent now. So you get another, you know, 50 basis points of increase somewhere in that ballpark. And I think yeah. that that's relatively tame. But when you look at stocks right now, the average analyst expects 12 percent earnings growth in 2024. And so, you know, I don't even know if that's Goldilocks. Isn't isn't that even better than the you know GDP I, uh, of? It, it, yeah, it's something. So. It's something yeah. pretty substantial in order for us to get twelve percent earnings growth on S and P five hundred companies. Yeah. So the Goldilocks scenario still positive growth, 
unemployment stays, let's say stays below four, five, four, five or below inflation, you know, falls like a feather to 2%, not, not yep. nothing quick, but you know, it's lower in December than January kind of yep. thing. Yep. Um, and in that scenario, kind of closing on this, do you think the Fed cuts? Because one thing will happen, right? If we go from an inflation rate of three to two, just generically speaking, mm -hmm. and they don't cut, they become more restrictive, as you know. Correct. Right? So what do you think? Do you think they cut in a Goldilocks scenario? Do you think they have to? I, I do think they likely cut later on in the year next year if we hit that Goldilocks scenario. If they can see a clear trend of things moving in that 2% GDP, I'm sorry, 2% uh, inflationary camp, I do think they cut to get things less restrictive. Because again, if you have interest rates at five and a quarter and inflation gets to two and a half, I'll call it two and a quarter because my brain does math easier there. <laughs> that's that's 3% real interest rates. And right. that is restrictive territory because right now yeah, we're in, you know, we're, 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 they're calling us restrictive where we're at at this point and we're nowhere near that number. Yeah. So I, I, I guess at that point, I mean, you could theoretically see, you could theoretically see four, four cuts. You could in theory. Yep. Okay. Yep. That, right. Yeah. Yeah. For the record, I don't see that. Um, no, I but, know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, but, I'm, but for the record, if you do get that massive disinflationary pressure, then yes, you could see interest rate cuts. Um, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination you can get five, which is getting priced into the market right now. But uh, you know, with that Goldilocks scenario backdrop, I, I don't think five plays out. But you could get one or two, potentially three, maybe. But that's mm -hmm. still pretty darn optimistic. Yeah. So let's call it let's call it two between friends in the Goldilocks scenario. Sure. Uh, what do you want to do next? You a glass half full or you a glass half empty kind of person? What do you want to do? Re recession or reinflation? Which one of those is, is full and which one's empty? I don't know. I don't know. They're like probably neither good. Let's go. If you Let's own go assets, yeah. if you own assets one's, one's better. Well, okay. actually, let me touch on one thing on, on that Goldilocks scenario. As you think about things from an investor standpoint, mm -hmm. that's probably Ooh. the best scenario for stocks, right? Stocks probably play out best in that scenario. Bonds do okay. Because again, if you don't have this massive, you know, run up in, in interest rates like we've had over the past couple of years and interest rates go sideways, if not lower, you're starting out at a yield on bonds right now, north of 5% in investment grade. And you could see, um, you know, some, some upward movement in that as well as, as interest rates continue to leak downwards. Yeah. If, from where I sit, the Goldilocks scenario, the soft landing, whatever you want to call it, um, it's the sideways market that I'm hoping for. Right. Yep. I, I think we need time to pay for our sins of 2020 and 2021. Um, and I think that buys us time to kind of just churn through the crap because there's a lot of pain coming. There's a lot of assets, a lot of debt that's been put in place. that's just toxic. I think Goldilocks buys us the time to eat that up. So I, I would agree with that. So we're doing recession next. Let's do recession next. Yeah. All right. So recession again, kind of starting it out. Uh, GDP goes negative. Unemployment goes, let's call it north of four and a half. Probably it rips probably higher than four and a half. So quickly talking quarters, not, not years. Um, what happens then? Yeah. And I think that there's some evidence that you could easily point to, to say this is playing out right now. Um, and, and again, we are certainly not in a recession at this point, but directionally moving towards a recession. So we just had five, two. GDP growth for the third quarter. Right now, the Atlanta Fed is projecting somewhere between one, two, and one, four. 
for GDP yeah, growth for the I fourth I was just going to check. So that's interesting because I knew it had to come down because last week's, I forget what it was, manufacturing or something number was really weak. Because Correct. it was two point four, now it's one two. So yeah, we are we're we are definitely seeing what disinflation or whatever a, a deceleration in growth. So yeah, yeah, and you're also seeing unemployment pick up. So you know we talked about things like the solemn rule, and admittedly I had never heard of that, and now you brought it up, and I've heard it in fifteen places since. So credit <laughs> to you <Yes>! for that. <laughs> So yeah, so you're seeing unemployment pick up. We're still at very modest unemployment rates. I would call it fully employed from an economic oh, yeah, standpoint. Sure. You still have many more job openings than you have people looking for jobs. So we're still in a tight labor market, but you have seen every single, eh, not every single, but the trend line is absolutely higher for 2023 from an unemployment rate standpoint. And yeah. as you know, Michael, because you're such an economist, unemployment starts to tick up and then it gaps up if we do yeah. go into recession and it's something where it looks like, Oh, things aren't that bad. Like I see the trend going up a little bit and then all of a sudden kind of the floor falls out under the jobs market and unemployment yeah. pops. Yeah. Well, it, it, last thing to say from an economic perspective is, is this the last domino to fall every time? And Correct. I, you know, to Correct. that end, I don't know if you saw it this morning, but Spotify announced, I think it was a 12 or 15% reduction in, in headcount. Yeah. And, you know, that reminds me of Amazon and Google well over a year ago. Right. Yeah, so and, and that's exactly companies right sizing. That, sorry to cut you off. I didn't mean to. That's that's exactly what you know why those magnificent seven stocks have done so well this year. And and you know, some of that tech sector in general, what they had was the come to Jesus moment. They spent like you know, drunken sailors in 2021, 2022, massively expanding their workforce. And then obviously in 2022, that huge spend came with a massive downward movement in their stock prices. And then in 2023, coming into the year, you know, the, the biggest namesake for this would be Meta, where they said, okay, we're going to slow down the metaverse and not spend their like absolute bonkers bananas that they had been. The behavior was just bad there. And so they cut expenses massively. And what happens was their margins widened out. It wasn't yeah. some massive shocking, yeah. shocking, exactly. But it wasn't, you know, the, what what kind of I, I want to make sure everyone's aware of. It wasn't some massive increase in top line revenue. No. It was the fact that they had cut expenses to the bone on the back end and had that come to Jesus moment. And so, uh, uh, you know, again, I, I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but that's that's the point. I'll well, stop. well, I think you're going with this is the magnificent seven. Maybe let's even say the top ten or fifteen tech companies got ahead of the curve. Yep. And to your point is I think you're making is, is maybe there's more Spotify's to come. Right. Right. And I think you're right. I think there's more companies looking at their end of year Q4 pipeline revenue and going, wow, you know, 2024 is going to be a hard year. We've got a right size. And, and dude, I went through this. I remember sitting in a conference room with a spreadsheet had names, names going, I got to cut, you know, 15% of these people. I, I yeah, that was the one of the worst days of my career. I hated that. Just feeling like uh, a grim reaper, I'm sure. Oh yeah, because you know you're. Oh, it's just. Oh, don't look forward to that. All right, so again, recession, and what happens? Right, the the Fed has to cut. Right, I mean the Fed, the Fed has, has to, cut. to cut. Yep, the Fed has to cut, and they cut aggressively. So generally during a recession, what you have is 300 basis points in reduction on average in Fed funds rate. So now and the, the speed of that, and the first cut. The first cut is not a quarter usually. It's Correct. Correct. And so this is all the you know this is all dependent upon 
hey, you know, how vicious is the upward movement in unemployment? How bad does the GDP trajectory look? Right. Are we a train that hits a wall? Are we train that slows down really quickly and reverses right. course slowly? Um, and that will depend on how quickly they, they, they decrease interest rates. But 300 basis points historically is peak to trough how much movement you get on interest rates throughout the cycle of a recession. Yeah, so uh, the last one, the reinflation. And I want to shout out Joseph Wang. He's known as the Fed guy one, two on Twitter. He was nice enough to come on my channel about two months ago. He was the first guy that really kind of walked me through just how reinflation could play out, right? Yep. I, I always knew it was a possibility, but I I discounted it probably too much. Yep. But now I'm looking at the situation like you and I'm like, this is this. This is not this is not a tail risk. This is like one of the three real possible outcomes. So uh, a reinflation environment uh, really goes down to probably GDP goes higher just because numerically speaking. Correct. But C CPI, PCE, PP, all these other things reverse asset prices, reinflate. It's just. I mean, if you own assets, it's great. Don't get me wrong, especially if it's assets with fixed rate debt. You're a genius. Correct. But uh, it's not good long term. Reinflation re is not a good story. No, it's not. And 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 as everybody likely knows at this point, it disproportionately, it, to your point you just made right there, if you own assets, it's great. It disproportionately affects the lower end of the market. So the folks that don't own assets, the folks that yeah. have to drive a car to work every single day, they can't work remotely. If oil not prices good. pop, that kills them, squeezes them. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a, by no means a, a, you know, outside tail risk type event that could play out. This is how markets have behaved historically a lot of times. So what you've seen is the fed starts to raise rates. Everyone gets comfortable with two or three, four months worth of inflationary data that comes back down. Mm -hmm. The fed preemptively cuts interest rates in that environment, yep. which reinflates the market. And if you look at what happened just a month ago, that's a massive inflationary pressure. What I'm talking about a month ago is the Federal Reserve meeting that took place because they said, okay, well, they didn't say what the market took it as. I'll be clear on that. The market took it as they're done raising interest rates. They're going to cut next year. That's not what they said, to be very no, clear. Not, not what they said, but that's what the market heard. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so you've had since a 10% run in equities in the S&P 500. You've had a 6% run in bonds. And so anybody that holds assets, it doesn't matter what it was that they held is now significantly richer. What do people do when they're richer? They spend more money. There's no way around that. And so that's an inflationary pressure. We still have this complete utter chaos that's playing out in the Middle East. You know, Israel just went back on the offensive in Gaza. And that is a bigger religious war that's that's playing out there than what the market is covering at this point. You have Iranian-backed, militant groups that are now firing missiles out of drones, out of commercial tankers that are moving through the Red Sea, which is a supply chain disruption. You have governments that have just about the most tenuous relationships they've had around the world right now, namely a relationship between us and China. So you have a reshoring, you have us trying to generate our own chips here domestically, which not only 
increases the cost of the chip because of the input labor costs, but it also comes with a massive factory build out here in the United States and a chips act that's just spilling liquidity into the market. There's still $2 trillion slated to be put to work during the first Biden administration that will wrap up a year from now. Yeah. I there don't think people realize that. that this just that that chips money is still coming. Oh my gosh. It's and it's huge. Coming. It's still coming. So yeah, so yeah, to say that inflation is is an exogenous event that is um that is, you know, not predictable or foreseeable in any way. I'm not saying I'm predicting it. That's what I'm getting at. But to say that it is a foregone conclusion that inflation is behind us is just a ludicrous thought. But that's the way the market's pricing things right now. Yeah. One of the things that I kind of envisioned is I was trying to catch up on the three weeks is uh after Jerome Powell's Friday discussion, which again the market heard is I'm done and we're cutting. Correct. I I can only envision him turning from Bruce Banner into the Hulk. <laughs> I, I just imagine him coming Hulk smash. Yep. Hulk smash. Yep. 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 And listen, uh, I mean, the likelihood of him raising interest rates at the next meeting is incredibly, incredibly low. Zero. The market, but his yeah. voice is. Yep. Yeah. And, and listen, like, regardless of what his intentions really are, he, I do think that he's going to come out and smack the market. And I think that anything outside of like this soft white glove touch is going to be foreseen as him smacking the market. And to my point in, you know, one of the prior episodes that we've done here is right now you have this technical trend higher in prices right now because all these institutional managers are buying to get cash off their books. So maybe it doesn't come home to roost right away. But as we enter into January, when they're not window dressing their portfolios to have clients think they've been fully invested the entire year and things come back to moderation and we start to trade on fundamentals again, there's no way you can look at the market and say, again, 12% earnings growth price in the stocks right now, simultaneously five interest rate cuts. It just doesn't make any sense for any logical person to think that. You don't have to know that much about economy, you know, markets and, and macro economies and this. Those two things don't make sense at the same time, but they're currently both being priced in. So at the end of the day, I don't know about you, but I sit here December 4th. I have no idea. Because one of the things that I do every year is on January 1st or 2nd is I make a call just to see what happens. I can tell you right now today, I have no idea what to call. No idea. I, You know, gun to me. I, I shouldn't say it. The violent terms don't go over well these days. Uh, you know, if you're squeezing my arm and twisting it behind my back, I think that probably the most likely scenario that plays out is the one that's not being priced right now, and that's recession. Um, I think it's more likely than inflation. I do think inflation is largely behind us. But again, things, little market events can spark things. And uh, things that are unforeseeable can spark things. And that could cause inflation. Um, but I think recession is just the most logical camp to be in. Uh, because of where we're coming from, from an inflationary standpoint, because of the GDP slowdown that seems to be foreseeable in the future right now, um, I think that's probably the most logical. But I'm not willing to say I'm incredibly confident in that. But I am confident in the fact that I look at markets right now and say that they're likely ahead of themselves. That is something yeah. I'm relatively comfortable in saying. I think that's fair. Taylor, you put out a lot of amazing stuff. In fact, you tackled this topic today. Uh, where can people find it? Yeah, find it at Life Goal Investments. We're on both Instagram and on TikTok. Much shorter form content than this, obviously. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate you, man.